Andino Andina, the story continues. It was a pleasant sunny day when suddenly Pelucci streaked past me and into the bedroom. Fleetingly I wondered if he was thinking of teasing Kachina into a game of chase around the house. I knew she was nestled somewhere among the pillows, catching up on her beauty sleep. Several years Pelucci senior, I knew she preferred snoozing to games most of the time. Seconds later there was a knock on the door. I stretched as I got up to see who it was. Jack, it's Anna. Can I come in? Of course you can. Hey, what's up? I'm so angry. Right. I'm due for a break anyway. Do you want to come for a walk? As long as it's away from this town. All right. You choose. I'll just follow you. Anna snickered. Okay. You have no idea how odd and wonderful that sounds in my ears. I can say it again if you like, I said, mostly to have something to say while trying to sense out what was going on. No, that's okay. Anna seemed to relax a little, her hands no longer balled into fists. Deliberately or unconsciously. Domestic violence? I realized I knew very little about her family situation, beyond what Risha had mentioned. Let me just grab my coat and stuff. I could do with moving about a bit and getting some fresh air, so you're doing me a favor, really. I didn't know what was up, and I didn't want the cats to be showered with anger, no matter how justified. My own temperamental outbursts were quite sufficient. My sensitive Pelucci must have felt the upset and run for cover, bless him. I sent him a telepathic snuggle to reassure him all was okay. I'll just leave a note on the coffee table for Tonio if he gets back before we do. Won't be a sec. We had only just passed the last of the houses when Anna practically exploded. I wish I was different! I wish I was the kind of person who wants nothing more than to look after people. If only you knew how many times I've said the very same thing, I thought to myself. Oh, to be someone who is content and happy even, staying at home, cleaning and tidying and cooking and washing and mending, mopping day in and day out. That's all my mama wants for me, and I'm so tired of clashing horns with her all the time. What brought all of this on? I asked. Mama's gone to hospital in Ilaja, and my sister went with her. It's kind of nice to not have her nagging at me all the time. Anna, you have to learn to be more like a real woman. Now my brother, my younger brother, thinks that it's his place to pick up where she left off. She's in hospital, and he doesn't even care to ask how she's doing. All he sees is that there's no mama to make his packed lunch, no mama to do his washing, no little sister to pick up after him and do the cleaning and wash up. I do the cooking, and when I'm not working, I help out, always. My sisters and I have had to help with everything since... since before we started school. He could go out and play. When he comes back in and whines that he's hungry, Mama or one of my sisters immediately interrupt what they're doing to make him something nice to eat. He's eighteen, and he hardly pours his own coffee. Mama does everything for him. He has no idea what happens to his clothes. All he does is drop them on the floor, and a few days later, like magic, it's all clean again. How many sisters have you got? Three. All younger. One already married. And your brother is eighteen? Yes. Younger than me, older than one of my sisters. You're the oldest? Sadly, yes. I'm twenty-four. I was quiet. 
At home, everyone says, Anna, stop dreaming and face reality. No one wants an old woman who won't even make a good wife. Is that all there is in life for me? To be a dutiful wife? Please tell me there's more. I feel you. I know I'm very blessed with Tonio. Yes, Tonio is a good man. He has kind eyes. Not like my brother. His eyes are hard. Just because Mama is away, he thinks I should do absolutely everything. I think he can help himself. I'm not his slave. I work too. Papa's been looked after all his life, first by his mother and now by his wife. He's not going to say anything. Why would he? He's got a good thing. Why would he sabotage that? I don't mind cooking for Papa. I will look after my father for as long as I live in his house, because he is my father. But I will not be ordered around by my lazy younger brother like... like a serf. What happens if you tell your brother to make his own damned lunch? I asked, not expecting an answer, just wanting to show I was on her side. And still, when Mama comes home and my sister, if we don't do it all, Mama will do whatever me and my sister don't do, even though she has just had surgery and should be resting. She won't say no because she's a traditional and he is her son. She will happily scold me, but she won't say nothing to him. And this is the kind of slavery she wants me to live? You're getting on, daughter. You're not getting any younger. You have to settle down, Anna. No one wants to marry you the way you are. But a traditional girl will never be short of offers. Well, of course not. Real slavery is illegal. She drew breath and was quiet for a few seconds. I didn't know what to say. So much for forward thinking and women's lib. There were always throwbacks. I hear you. I said carefully. Dump me with housework and I'm running out of grace and backing up on resentment faster than you can say mop the damn floor. Anna sniggered bitterly. Families these days may be smaller than they used to be, with less pressure on women to choose a traditional life, but this is still far from Laja. My mother and her cronies at Valores Tradicionales, or traditional values, can't seem to help themselves trying to regress back to a time when it was the only choice a woman had. That or become teaching spinsters, all in the name of tradition. It is as if they will not rest unless everyone is stuck doing what they think women should be doing. As if you can't be of value to your family in any other way, Anna said darkly. Surely you can't believe that. I don't know you that well, but I've heard Risha mention several times that you're the kind of daughter she and most people would be proud to have. And I believe her. Risha said that? You bet she did. You don't doubt it, do you? We walked in silence for a while. It's just... I feel so trapped here. I didn't know what to say. I realized there were worlds within worlds, even here and I did not know them. So, what's your family like? Anna asked, now the pressure cooker of anger had gone out of her. In many respects I'm lucky, I guess. My mother had the generation battle with Nan, and settled on doing both. Having kids and a life outside the home, and because of Dad's hours as a teacher, it worked. I got an older sister who went to university, and decided on a career instead of a family. She smoothed the path for me in that respect. You got a sister like that. How nice. Wish I did. Not like mine you don't, trust me. 
Christine is an art critic and a card-carrying conceited bitch for a really trendy magazine. She's so full of herself I can't stand her. Oh, I'd like a nice older sister, or a useful one, one that distracted my mother off my back, or an ally, or someone who doesn't mind doing all the things my mother tries to foist on me. I got a brother as well, Stefan, who is two years older than me. He joined the army straight from school, but he's a meteorologist now. He and his wife keeps popping out children at regular intervals, which keeps my parents happy, and even my grandparents content that the family genes will continue for at least another generation. You don't have kids, Anna said. It was a statement rather than a question. We don't. You don't want any? No, I don't. I was quiet for a while, weighing my words carefully. There was something about this place that felt conducive to the naked truth, even hard to wiggle out of. I took a deep breath. My last year at school, my brother got his new young girlfriend preggers. They were just fooling around. He was a young man in uniform and she was smitten. She came from a strict religious family and they, naturally, found out. She was only sixteen and her parents refused to let her have an abortion. It was decided she would have the baby and give it up for adoption. There was a lot of pro-life talk going on about how every baby is a gift from God and all that rubbish at their church. More like a slap in the face from your soul and its warped and twisted sense of humour if you ask me. She and Stefan split up. Closer to the time of birth, her parents tried to make her keep the baby and bring it up in their home. She refused, said she'd agreed to carry it to term and give it up for adoption, nothing else. Which I thought was brave of her, as I met her parents once when they came to our house, and they were scary as hell. Loud and righteous, living in a world of right and wrong and nothing in between. I don't know if that somehow got to my mother, or if it was some Catholic guilt left over from her school days. I always saw Mother as an atheist, who only believed in science and ones and zeros. Anyway, she got this idea into her head that she'd somehow missed out on being a real mother when we were young, and now here she was, being granted a second chance and all of that. This is our blood, after all. He is our first grandchild. We cannot let some stranger take him away, or we will never see him again. Mother was going on and on about this being her opportunity to be a real mum, now that she could, her life stable and hours reduced. On and on until Dad gave in. What does she do? She's a computer programmer. Caught a growing trend just right, she did. Couldn't have timed it better if she tried. Her brain is like a computer. Do X to Y and get Z as a result. Only humans are a little bit more complex than that. And your father? music teacher. Weird to think how them two fit together, but surprisingly enough they do. Unlike most friends' parents, mine never threatened to divorce or anything. Sure, they argued, mostly over my mother's long working hours and dad's insistence that even as children we were served watered wine instead of sugary drinks, at home too, not just at mummy's. We spent the summers in Brittany with the Bissettes, so we all became bilingual in French. Mum and Dad used to take off for two weeks together at the end of the summer before joining us for the last week staying with Mummy. From Britain to Brittany, how funny. Did they run out of French names? 
Anna giggled. Sorry, do you want a seat? She said as we approached what looked like a viewpoint. I nodded. Now, once I'd started to spill, I couldn't stop. When the baby was born that summer, my parents adopted him. I'd never liked kids, but I hadn't had much contact with babies, so I tried to be positive. That lasted about a week. My nerves were shot and jangling after just a day of it. I closed my eyes and took a deep breath. I was all set to go to university in the autumn, and seeing as I was the last to leave the nest, I'd applied to Kingston-upon-Thames so I could keep living at home, and I was so happy when I got accepted. It was so close I could cycle there. It also meant I could keep my part-time job at the veterinary clinic. It was just filing and cleaning and to cover the reception on Saturdays sometimes, but I knew everyone who worked there and enjoyed meeting the animals. After two weeks, I went to stay with my friend Steph while we looked for somewhere together. There was no way I'd be able to study with a baby crying at all hours, making sure I got no sleep. I didn't like them before, and after that, no freaking way. Ever. Anna was quiet. You should have heard the arguments I had with my parents. Keep your voice down and you'll scare the baby. Or, keep your voice down and you'll wake the baby. As if I hadn't been kept awake for a week myself. You can't study and work like that. At least I can't. No wonder sleep deprivation is used as torture. You just manage to get to sleep and that precious baby goes off again and you're jolted back and awake. Mother just kept going on like a mantra. But you were a baby once too, and you'll get used to it. As if she'd remember. She was always working. So we would have a good life, she said. Which we did, I'm not denying that. She kept going on about how this was her second chance at being a proper mother, and him being family and all that. But what the fuck? Even though he was the biological father, my brother paid no attention. No one said anything about his lack of interest. He was away living the squaddy life. Somehow, I was the one in the wrong. The unnatural daughter who was selfish when I didn't want to live in the same house and help out with her new baby nephew. My brother had the same sex education as I did. Why the hell did he have to duff up his new girlfriend? I just kept babbling now, afraid to stop. Steph and I got a place not too far away with two others. By Christmas, Sasa had dropped out and was working full-time in what used to be her parents' pub. She said she wanted to go travelling, but the truth is she spent all the money she made clubbing and going to raves, sometimes including her share of the rent. Janet then decided she was moving back to her parents, because she spent most of the time at her boyfriend's anyway and felt she was wasting her money. So me and Steph were lucky to find another place with a girl called Sarah, who we'd only just met and really liked. Sarah also wanted to go travelling, and she was working three jobs so she was rarely ever home, but when she was, she was great to hang out with. Plus, she always paid her rent on time and never left a sink full of dirty dishes. I remembered how my parents' house became a scene of a string of French cousins, all eager to help look after the baby and improve their English. It had been Dad's suggestion, when Mother realised she could not otherwise find the uninterrupted hours needed to fulfil her renegotiated contract, let alone them retaining something resembling a life. After all the summers we'd spent in France, here was a chance to give something back. That was the official version. 
The unofficial one included an ungrateful daughter who had moved out instead of helping out, and not a word about the baby's absent biological father. As a result, everything was speedily redecorated. Stefan's room was now the nursery, with mine and Caroline's hastily transformed into guest rooms. It felt almost like spite how quickly it was done. You moved out and made your bed elsewhere. Now lie in it. And wasn't it odd that for all their sanctimonious preaching, for the baby's maternal grandparents to display zero interest or keeping contact once the adoption papers were signed? Thank you for taking the time to listen. Andino Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales, 2014 and 2021.